0: Well, good morning. Good to see you guys here. Um, What a great opportunity this morning to sit together to celebrate who God is in our lives and then to uh, pause from uh, working through a book of the Bible or passage by passage, scripture by scripture, and to address just relevant issues. We love to do this from time to time just to kind of go, hey, what's going on in our body? What's going on in culture? And pause and spend some time on that. Uh, we're in this family series right now. As you know, we've got uh, sexuality coming up. We've got parenting today. We've got even uh, one we're going to do just strictly on technology in today's culture and how that impacts family, um, so to really kind of hit some relevant issues. This morning, um, I'd love to introduce you to Sue Addington, her husband Tom sitting here um, as well. They are um, have been in Northwest Arkansas for how long? Since 1989. Since 1989. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So she is a mother. Um, She is a mentor. She is a woman who uh, walks closely with the Lord and then enters into relationship with people and just says, how do I best serve you and love you and do life with you? And so uh, first service was a great honor to get to to teach with you and spend some time. Um, And I'm looking forward to this one as well. And you said many things that challenged me for sure. Um, This morning as we talk about fatherhood and motherhood, we're going to look at it from four perspectives. The first perspective is you taking care of yourself. You can't parent well. You can't be in relationship well with other people if you're not tending to your own heart and who you are in the Lord and what the Lord wants to do in that. The second part of that is what does that look like to do it in the body of Christ, in community, uh, with one another. And so we'll talk through what that looks like. How do we do that in today's culture? In today's world, that is fast paced, and we got social media, and we got comparisons, and we've got uh, all kinds of things taking place in our world. So, how do you parent fatherhood, motherhood well in the world? And then the last one is actually, since it is fatherhood, motherhood, how do we apply that to children that we're rearing? And so, we're gonna talk through that. I wanna start by saying this though. When I was a professor at JBU, I had the privilege of taking students internationally. And on one of the trips, had this young man that pulled me aside one day and just said, hey, I just, I know you, you might hear this a lot, which I hadn't, um, but I just want you to know that you're like a father to me. And I'll never forget that, of what a privilege it was to hear those words come out of that young man's mouth. And then at the same time, how scary that now somebody else is going, here, raise me well. Um, so carrying that burden, but the idea becomes this. Even though we're talking about fatherhood, motherhood this morning related to how we do that when we're raising a biological, foster, adopted children, the reality is you're a parent to somebody, all of us, no matter where you're at in life, because other people look to you as an authority, as a leader, as a mentor, as a boss, as a fill-in-the-blank saying, hey, guide me in life. This thing that we're doing is really hard and challenging, and I want to learn from you. So today's stuff, I think, is relevant for everybody, uh, parenthood, motherhood, fatherhood, because you're doing that in relationship with somebody. Um, How many of you are raising young children right now, currently what you would consider young children? Okay. How many are doing tweens and teens? Anybody got any tweens and teens? Lord bless you. And then uh, how about young adults? Anybody got young adults? Okay. And what about grandparents? Any grandparents in the room? Okay. Okay. Awesome. So we got across the spectrum in here. Uh, what about uh, anybody that's single, not raising an actual child of some kind, but yet you're in a relationship, mentoring, or you're a boss or a supervisor, or a, the idea becomes everything we talk about this morning is relevant in some capacity. I love this scripture from Psalms to set the stage. Psalm one twenty-seven three through five a. Children are a heritage from the Lord, an offspring, a reward from Him that God gives us. They're they're a, they're a reward. And like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Blessed are you. And I mean that as I've heard the stories that people have shared about the way you are so in tune with the Holy Spirit that when the Holy Spirit lays somebody on your heart, you you actually take the steps of calling that person and saying, Hey, I just feel like maybe you need this. And the Lord, I, there, there are so many stories about you like that. It's unbelievable to hear that. And I know you're not a perfect person by all means. But what I love about that is it challenges me to go, Nick, am I, am I that in tune with the Lord that I pause when I hear that? Or do I serve in those type of capacities? So thank you for being here this morning and for speaking to us about this. We're going to start with relationship to self. How has the love of God's word impacted you as a mother?
1: I do love the word of God, and I love what it tells me about my relationship to the Lord. Hmm. And as I have grown to love the word, I guess the, the, the two are wrapped up together. As I love the word and I receive what it tells me and I see the stories, I realize who I am as a daughter, really as a daughter, I am parented by the father Mm. and really you can only be as good as you understand that relationship to be. I, um, I love the verse that says in Deuteronomy, these are not just words. These are your life. And that book is, it's our life because it's from him. Mm -hmm. And he, um, he speaks to us. He talks to us. And, um, so the more I love the word, I love Jesus. The more he loves me, the more mm. it's good.
0: Amen. I know for me, falling in love with the word of God has been a big part of my walk with the Lord. And uh, I met the Lord, for those of you who haven't heard that, in high school after a really dark, rebellious time in my life. And then speaking very honestly, walking in the word of God is hard for me. Like I go through seasons where like I'm on it, I'm I'm, I'm in the word, I'm I'm, I'm searching it, I'm studying it. The Lord's doing amazing things, speaking to me. And then I'll go through seasons where if I'm honest, I haven't opened my Bible in a month. And so for me, I know like the word of God draws me back to who he Mm -hmm. created me to be. And it speaks truth and life and even gives tangible directions to me on how to do my work and my marriage and raising my children. And so I just want the word to wash over me. And so I do this thing where when I really struggle with the Word of God, I've downloaded the James Earl Jones version of him reading the Bible, mm-hmm. and I'll just turn it on in my car mm-hmm. and let that voice, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, good heavens, <laughs> like it, it's, like it's God, um, allow it just to speak mm-hmm. truth to me. But mm-hmm. I've heard from so many men in particular mm-hmm. that just say, man, I try to read the Bible, I just can't get into it. And so my encouragement always is check out the message version, check out the voice version, let it be read over you, but don't run away from the Word of God. There is such good fruit in there. There is such life-giving power. And so letting it define me and my, my quest to do fatherhood and leadership well has been pretty powerful.
1: And going back to what you said at the very beginning about it about the community that learns from these principles of parenting, really our community is a part of the parenting unit. And I, I bring that up just because it's only been the last couple hundred years that we've actually had the written word of god in our individual hands and it was the community speaking into um, each other that really allowed the word of god to Mm -hmm. to be spread mary did not have her own bible the mother of jesus and she probably didn't have a quiet time journal but somehow she knew from community and being in that rich world where the word of God was spoken. She knew those truths Mm -hmm. and um, she could recite those truths. Mm -hmm. So um, community and the word of God all work together. Um, Mm It takes a village. It does.
0: It really does. does. And I would even say this, I, I think media can help with this. I mean, veggie Tales speaks some good truth <laughs> yes. about, you yeah. know, the Word of God. Yeah. Um, I loved when our family, we went through the Bible series that mm. the Discovery Channel put out, and it was, it was profound to sit there with my children and go through the narrative of the story of God and the questions that came out of that, because it gets kind of confusing, mm-hmm. but the Word teaches truth in life, just mm-hmm. as God says, so yeah. the more we embrace it, the better... You know, I'd add one more thought to that, and I didn't say this the first go-around, but Proverbs 1 through 12, chapters 1 through 12, is literally the father speaking wisdom to his son. Like, that, that to me is profound. Like, that, that is what the—and then there's more chapters to Proverbs, but to me it is God saying, you're meant to use this word mm-hmm. to teach it unto others in community. Mm-hmm. And so how are we doing that well, and who are the people yeah. that are going to teach it? Yeah. So that's great. Question number two— How does your own personal health, and that could be heart, soul, body, mind, and then I would add marriage Mm -hmm. to this one as well, impact your children? Uh,
1: Well, I loved that you brought up marriage because uh, we've been married for 40 years, and that is a gift that we give our kids. That's a healthy thing that we give them. They know we love each other. And we embarrass them. Tom, Tom embarrasses them, embarrasses our children way more than me, I have to say. But <laughs> I think that's good. I, I love that our kids know that we, that we love each other. So that is health that we give them. That yeah. is health that impacts. Um, I I haven't been a star at healthy cooking, I'm sorry to say. I'm better at making cookies, and I I feel just (laughs) just fine about that. My kids love to point out, though, that I did try to be a healthy mom from the beginning. My daughter just last week was reminding me that in the very earliest part of her memory, she can picture me with a jump rope in the middle of our kitchen, and it, it was the kind of house where... I needed to kind of keep them corralled while I jumped rope to try and be healthy. So I put kid fences. (laughs) So they stood outside and watched me. It was entertaining. Yes. And I was getting healthy. And so that lasted probably about six months. And so anyway, but our health does impact our kids. And so it's important to to be healthy in every way that you can. Heart, soul, body, mind, marriage. Yeah.
0: There's a famous quote, um, actually, I, th- I believe it's a, an ancient Chinese proverb that says, the best way to love your children is to love your spouse. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that. Mm-hmm. It's so true in my life that the more I'm working on my relationship with Emily, the more we're trying mm-hmm. to walk together in the Lord, um, the, the more that demonstrates love and passion mm-hmm. and commitment mm-hmm. to our children. And, and Lord willing, we make it, you know, mm-hmm. 40 years to have have that story you know, the other part of really taking care of yourself is that you've got to be able to really see yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's hard for a lot of us. We get going in our lives, and we, we, we don't necessarily sit back and go, what, what does that really look like? And there's a movie from the 90s, and I'm not advocating you go watch it right now. Let me make that disclaimer. Um, but it's got Ben Affleck and Gwyneth Paltrow, which makes some of you now want mm-hmm. to go watch it. <laughs> um, but it was a movie called Bounce. And in the story... Uh, Ben Affleck's character is a mess. His life, he's been an alcoholic. He's falling apart. He's made really bad decisions. Gwyneth Paltrow's character falls in love with him, and she's basically telling him how she feels about him, and he stops her, and he says, what I've begun to see in my healing and my trying to get my life right is that I'm driving down a road, and I look up in my rearview mirror, and all I see behind me are a bunch of bloody people, and I don't want you to be one more bloody person, and that Statement resonates with me all the time. Am I willing to slow down enough to look back and go, Lord, am I walking close with you? Am I living my life close with you that I'm willing to see if I'm leaving a trail of bloody people, in particular my spouse or my children mm-hmm. or those that I'm mentoring or those that I lead um, in a work capacity? And so... Walking close with the Lord is what ultimately allows us to be a good parent, allows mm-hmm. us to be a good father, mother, a good coworker, a good person and community together. And so um, taking care of ourselves mm-hmm. is of the utmost importance. And so if you leave here today and you recognize you're not tending to your heart, mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. Grab somebody in this body. I guarantee there's somebody here that goes, I want to love on you. I want to speak truth to you. I want to encourage you, nourish you. We'll, we'll get you into free counseling if that's mm-hmm. what it takes here. Because we want to raise a body of healthy people so that that ripple effect begins to flow into everybody that is around them. Take it.
1: And I would say, um, bouncing off what you're saying there, too. Uh, We're talking today primarily about how to be a parent. So the focus is on us as the parent. We're focusing on the children. But you do your children a disservice if life is just about them. And so whether it's your Mm -hmm. marriage or whether it's your own personal health, um, your spiritual health, if you're not taking time for those things um, and your children get the feeling that it's all about them, you're really in trouble and so you do have to take the time for those things for your marriage we we hear about a lot of a lot of couples who reach the end of their years with their children and the nest is empty and they turn and they look at each other and they say who are you it's only been who has our who has this little unit of this little family been focused on the kids and so you, you, you've you got to guard against that if mm. you're going to be a healthy parent.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Amen. Such good truth. Relationship with the community and the body of Christ. What would you suggest in this day and age when comparing to others is so tempting?
1: Well, I have a, a statement that's been made, and I, I think it's so powerful. Comparison is the killer of joy. When we compare ourselves with one another, um, Even in in the body of Christ, when we compare ourselves and try to be like someone else, our joy is taken away in being exactly who God created us to be. Um, As a mom, there are these uh, stereotypes of what a mom should be. And I think often, maybe in a silly way, we think our kids should uh, say that we're the best cook that ever was. Oh, my mom, she makes just the best meals. Well, one of the things that we used to do around our table when we would gather people there and our kids would bring kids home, one of the questions that we would ask, which was an icebreaker, but it was a comfortable thing for other others to talk about, was what's What's your favorite thing that your mom makes? What do you like to eat when you're at home? What's your favorite meal ever? Or what does your dad make that you really like? What's your favorite thing? And so we would go around the table and People would tell us. And on one occasion, Tom turned to me, actually turned to our two daughters who were sitting at the table at that time, and said, Kim, Sally, what's your favorite thing that mom makes? Silence. (laughs) Yeah, I know, ouch, right? And they were embarrassed, and I was embarrassed, and I'm I'm sure that Tom kind of assessed the moment and turned to the next person. Well, my girls came to me later on and they said, Mom, really, you know, we were thinking about what it was, and actually, you know, we really like when you bake. Well, I really like when I bake, too. Like I said, cookies, they're they're something I really like to do. I do love to bake. I don't like to cook. Tom is actually the star cook in our family, and the kids love when he cooks things. It's a big deal. But I say that to say this in this world it's very easy to look at what other people are doing and try and do what they're doing without remembering who you really are. What do you do well? Do you do you cook? Well cook great then if that's something you have to give to your child. are you, um, Are you a nerd? Be a great nerd and pass on those geeky things that you know and do it with a smile and enthusiasm. Be who God has created you to be. Pinterest and social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is, we can compare ourselves and look around and want to be what somebody else is, but know who you are. Be a student of who you are, mm-hmm. and then you'll be able to do it with the greatest of enthusiasm, and um, and then not be embarrassed when when a question is asked. What's your mom's favorite thing? I. Now, I can laugh. We can laugh together about that.
0: You know, that's been really powerful for me, too. I I feel like sometimes when I go to all these man retreats and these, (laughs) you know, how to be a good father and fatherhood journeys that we're going to do through different passages and and different uh, workbooks, it's always these really masculine, sports, gun-oriented people. And let's be really honest, I'm wearing a pink shirt, I'm happy. Mm. Like, I mean, I just, I'm mm. not Mr. Masculine in, in today's kind of terminology. And I mean, I could probably name one football player and one basketball player if I really tried. Um, I don't even know when the hogs start playing, uh, but th- <laughs> the idea becomes like, that's just not my world. And I just, I look at my boys often and I'm like, I am sorry, that's not your daddy. Uh, that's just <laughs> not who I am. And they're really into guns right now. Um, and so I'm like, Hey, that's great. When we go out to the land, you want to shoot guns. I'll call Mr. Trace. He'll bring one. I will stand far away and you guys have fun. Um, I trust him. He was in the military. Um, but it's not me. But one thing that I've learned is like to truly be who I am. I'm a deeply affectionate, touchy person. And one of my favorite examples of that is, um, Tenny, my oldest, uh, he was getting out of the car to go to football practice. And I hopped out of the car and I went around and I, I said, come give me a kiss. And all his buddies are standing over there just kind of staring at him like, what are you going to do? And he's like, dad, you're embarrassing me. I'm like, nope, you got to at least give me a hug goodbye. I'm like totally trying to play with him. He comes over, kind of slumps on, you know, like the hug, and then heads off with his buddies. And a few days ago, true story, it's just him and I in the car. He reached over out of the blue and just held my hand. And I thought to myself, my dad never did that with me. That wasn't my relationship with my dad, but that's who I am. And I love to embrace that side of me in the way that I love my kids and I love other people is is that that appropriate touch of just Mm -hmm. affirmation like that. Mm -hmm. That comparison game, I think, is real for all of us, male and female. Mm -hmm. You need to be who God created you to be and even apply that to what that looks like as a parent. God endowed you perfectly in that. And
1: teach your kids the same thing. Mm -hmm. Help them help them understand who they are. We've got so many tools today, mm-hmm. whether it's the love language or it's lately we've been using the enneagram to to just figure out different different ways that we're created. Help your kids celebrate that early on. Talk about how unique they are. Unique. Mm-hmm. And um man, we've got three kids. They are all very unique. So uh, I wish that we had really focused on that early somehow better, because it's celebrated throughout Scripture. We are meant to be different, and there are multiple lists that say, you might be this, you might be this, you might be this, you might be an elbow, you might be a toenail, you might be an eyelash. Be that. We need each other to be different.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Thank God I'm a toenail. Yep. <laughs> All right. What are the best resources for parenthood?
1: Uh, well, I, I told Nick, as we were talking early on about that area, sp- I have a spoiler alert. I used research- resources early, and then I just kind of threw them out the window. <laughs> I, um, there were some that were good, and I'm not saying throw all resources out, because there are really good things to read. But you can become so overwhelmed by this author and this author and this system and this system and it can become very confusing as as we talked about earlier in some ways I think it goes back to how we're all very different and so a different plan might work for this person and you try and plug it into yourself and and it's just not not gonna work so um, find what works for you would be a suggestion what I did when I threw those resources out the window, basically, and threw my my hands up, I went to the Lord and i said i just I just long for you to simplify and show me in your words some non-negotiables about what it means to be a mom, and almost immediately. I was brought to the book of Exodus, and I started reading about parents there, about a mother and what she did. And actually, her journey was so appropriate to the journey that I was on. Imagine, imagine wanting to raise your child in a very godly way and be a good mom, and your child is placed into a world that is exactly opposite from yours because that little baby Moses he went from being in the arms of his mom and he was being raised in a palace that was opposite totally opposite so the Lord allowed me to look at her life and to ask questions so what did she do Lord well you know she prayed and you know that she was available as much much as she could be that's pretty practical and look what happened to Moses was he a failure? No, he was not. so uh, use resources wisely, but boy, use your use that word of God and ask ask the Lord to show you there.
0: yeah, I, I know as we talked about earlier, this was a big journey for Emily and I early on. We were trying to figure out what parenting style we really wanted to embrace and we tried so many different methods, mm-hmm. and great godly people said, this is the one, this is the one, and then they'd say different things. This one says spank, this one says never, this one mm-hmm. says, and it was so confusing for us, and we eventually found a guy uh, by the name of Danny Silk, Loving Your Kids on Purpose. He's a pastor, um, part of the Bethel Church movement, and, and like it spoke truth in life to mm-hmm. us to the point where we'll listen to it one time a year now, mm-hmm. um, sometimes twice when we're really struggling, um, because we just, it, it speaks to our heart, and it, it really hits, and one of the core values of, of it oftentimes is take care of yourself, yeah. work on your own stuff, yeah. and in that, love your kids in these ways that, are, that God endowed you to do that, and that's been huge. You know, the other thing that I would say when it comes to resources is this, is everything we encounter in life is a resource to use when speaking life, encouragement and nourishment to our children. One of the examples I use is, and Sully's in here for this right now, is that um, he has fallen in love with Ed Sheeran. He loves Ed Sheeran's music. And if I hear Castle on the Hill one more time, <laughs> I might, you know, lose my mind. T- he, but he loves it. But one of the things I've noticed about when, when Ed Sheeran's songs are on is Sully will say this. Do you ever notice how in every song he talks about getting drunk? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, I do, son. Mm-hmm. And I'm very aware that you're listening to that right <laughs> now. But what's really good is it's opened these conversations for mm-hmm. Sully and I and Tenny and I and Emily and I about being drunk. Why why does culture celebrate that? What what is that all about? Movies, the same way. Hey, if we're going to watch a movie that's PG-13 and you're going to see this type of material and content, let's sit down and have a conversation about that and these resources that culture's going to try and use to create shame, to create sin, Mm -hmm. to encourage darkness. I'm going to debunk by going, let's talk openly Mm -hmm. about it. Who else did that? Oh, Jesus did that, didn't he? (laughs) He talked pretty openly about the things that people were going to encounter in culture. And so as parents, as those doing mothering and and fathering, and as you're leading employees, and as you're mentoring people, take what culture's throwing out there and talk openly about it and see what comes out of that. There's so many amazing resources. And one of my favorite stories of this, again, not advocating you go read the book, but there's a book called The Film Club. And it was written by a man whose son went wayward in life. He got into drugs and alcohol. He dropped out of college. And he was just a mess. And after running away and spending time away, he comes back to his dad and says, Dad, can I live, can I live at home? Will you let me do that? And the father said, you know, let me think about it because you've lived here before and it's not gone well and there's been a lot of hurt and pain. So he goes away, and he thinks about it, and he comes back to the son. He says, I will let you live in this house rent-free, but there's a requirement. Every week, you will sit down with me twice a week, and you will watch a movie with me. And following watching this movie, you and I will sit and have a 30-minute conversation about it. If you do that, I'll pay your rent. I won't pester you. You follow a few other legal rules, and, and you can live here. And what happens is this father goes back to movies from like the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and he he researches the characters and the storylines and the directors and the actual actors and actresses. And following watching the movie, he starts to teach his son about life. He starts to teach him about culture and failure and teach him about joy and sorrow and romance. And he just uses these as opportunities. And even as this kid's life goes on, he still struggles. He falls in love with this one movie from like the 60s or 70s. And the father plans a surprise uh, vacation for them to go and see like the true story of where this took place and what that story was. And in other words, this father woos his son back by using cultural things in order to teach him about life. Man, God does that to me all the time. I know he does it to you guys as well. But I think as parents, we've got to be not afraid of culture. God is bigger than culture. God is bigger than all that junk and he's going to use it we just got to be willing to vocalize it and talk and walk through it for sure. That's so good. That's really really good. Yeah. Relationship with culture in the world. Funny, we hit that next. Yeah. <laughs> How have society's expectations impacted your mothering and fathering choices?
1: You know, I would say that there are two words that I I feel like society whispers in your ear. One is your child should be the greatest. And the second one is, "You should be perfect, so should your child." And you battle those all the time. And it's interesting, there is a mother in um, the Bible story in the Gospels, in Matthew 20, and I remember the, where it's found because it's Matthew 2020, 20, and I always think, "Wow, Lord, I want to have 20,20 20 vision on this." It's a mother, she comes to Jesus, if you'll recall, and she says, Jesus, could my sons, my two sons sit on either side of you? In other words, could my sons be the most famous? Could they be the best? I'm telling you, that's what we long for as a parent. We long that our children will either be the prettiest, the fastest, the smartest, first chair in the band, The best on the computer, the best, the best, the best, the best. That's what we long for for our children, and society cheers us on. I don't know if you read um, any of the uh, articles that were were surfacing, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe it's been about six, eight months ago, about the tiger mom. Do you know what that term means? It's a mom who just goes in there and fights with everything to control her child's life, to make that child the star. And Jesus says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. And in other places, he says, the first will be last. The last will be first. Mm. That's really opposite from society. Teach your kid to be last. Mm. That's a tricky one. Another thing society says to us is you can be perfect because you're trying to make this perfect child. There's an article from Christianity Today from about 2009 called The Myth of the Perfect Parent. And it says that as Christian parents, we think that we can be perfect. And we've actually taken on the formula from society that says this. If you do this, let's, let's take exercise. If you exercise this much, it will... It will yield this kind of body, and your heart rate will be like this. So this plus this equals this. What we've done is we've taken on that formula, and we think, if I I do this, if I make sure I always do this with my child, and then I add it to this, and I pray enough, and I add it to this, and then I add it to this, it will always equal a product, and what are we aiming for? Perfection. That is not a promise given to us. But what God longs to have from us, this article goes on to say, is just our faithfulness, our steadiness. And I would add to that our understanding of our utter dependence on God. Mm-hmm. The weight's not all on our shoulders. And the world would say, yeah, it's all your job. It isn't all our job. Because mm-hmm. we just, we can't do it. And we, we really have to remember that as followers of Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you've been to Sam's Club down in Fayetteville, I love how Sam's <laughs> and uh, Walmart now, you know, they the road's like literally right in front of the doors. Like, you know, as you're walking out of the store, there's the road. And uh, Tenny was probably about two and a half years old, and we'd gone to Sam's, and I loaded up our cart, and as I'm getting the person to kind of scan my cart to see what's in it, and right off my receipt, we start moving forward, and Tenny bolts straight out of that door in the front, right out into the road. I mean, he's two and a half years old. I mean, I literally drop my cart, like, just leave it there, and I just go running out there, and I throw my arms around. I'm like, Tenny! And as I'm doing this, I'm wrapping him up, this woman walking with another friend of hers is heading into the store and she literally goes wow great parenting and i'll never forget that moment because now now i'd probably have things to say at that moment i think i was just so fear-based like i just (laughs) saved my son um but but the idea becomes this i think culture puts so many expectations on us and, and catch this we are super hard on each other we are I don't know how many of you have heard this. Men are failing at fatherhood. They're not doing what they need to be doing. And we hear all these statistics all the time. But you know what? Those are wrong, actually. Do you know what research really tells us? Fathers are more engaged and involved in their children's lives than they ever have been throughout history. Do you know that? And many of you men in here are deeply involved in your kids' lives. And you're just trying to do the best that you can. So for the love, let's give each other some grace, some encouragement, and some nourishment in that, and just keep striving at it, because we are really hard on each other. Wow, great parenting. (laughs) Anyway, so how do we do this well? Because there's a lot of expectation on that, and, you know, me and my boys, we do this. uh, We called it Dads and Donuts for a long time, but they're about fried on donuts, so really now it's more like Dad and Chick-fil-A, which I carry my Christian card so I can go there. And... um, (laughs) Uh, we go to Whataburger and Sonic and all these other places all the time and and we'll sit and we'll have breakfast once a week together and they're not like us opening the word and doing a Bible study together a lot of times we're playing cards or we're playing Uno or I was teaching him poker the other day with with, uh, uh, pennies and this one, like it was like almost out of a movie this grandpa comes up with a cane just like walking up to us and is like this is exactly what fathers today should be doing it was like a great moment of validation of just going that's right my job, mm. the expectation I should have is to be fully present and alive with my kids. I love
1: that word. I love that word presence. Yeah. That's so strong. Yeah. Really, really that good. That should be our expectation. Yes.
0: Let's be present. Yes. You're gonna muck it up. Yes. But just try. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Hey, I can't answer this, but you can.
1: Mm.
0: How has culture impacted mothering over 35 years?
1: Wow. Uh Mothering will always be mothering in many ways. It'll be the same. Um, there will be desires that you will have that uh, the desires that I had when I first became a mother 35 years ago are the same as as mothers who are sitting out there. But it's changed in many ways in that um, I think you I think the moms today have lots more stuff coming at them. I think social media, I think 24-7 um, television, I think uh, there's just so much more that needs to be addressed. I think the world is scarier than it was. Uh, maybe maybe it was scary back then, but we just didn't know because we, we didn't see it on TV 24-7, um, mm. I, I don't know. It, it is different in that way. It, it used to be, um, maybe it used to be easier to have pockets of quiet. Maybe that's always been a, a challenge. Maybe there are always things to distract you. But I think that today the challenges of distractions are greater. Mm-hmm. I know all of us are working to not, um, are, are working to disconnect from our iPhone or our iPad or our, our computer so I think distractions have become bigger since, the, in the last thirty-five years.
0: Yeah, so. I would say even in uh, I have a twelve-year-old. Even in just between when he was born and now, social media yeah. is like yeah. a Facebook and yeah. Instagram and yeah. all these things. And that's why we do want to have um, some time together in a couple of weeks to yeah. talk about technology and yeah. what do we do as a family with yeah. that for sure.
1: I I do think we are richer we are rich in that we have lots of information at our at our fingertips. So that. Like you were saying, you don't want to beat up everything about modern technology and, and what we have, um, but there's just lots.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How has motherhood, uh, how is it different for your daughters today? Are there any challenges that they experience with that?
1: Um, I think it, it, it goes along with what I just said. I think one of the challenges that is the same and it and um, it goes back to that passage in Matthew twenty. We do want the best for our kids, and we tend to overcommit and plan a lot of things for our kids. That was going on back, you know, when I was uh, when we were first having our kids. Um, It's hard to be different than the culture around you and do different things for your kids. Just recently, one of our daughters told us a story about our three-year-old granddaughter. She said to our granddaughter, "Um, Essie, I'd like you to clean your room. And her little girl put her hand on her hip and said, it's just not what I do. (laughs) And our daughter, Sally could not figure out how in the world she had learned that phrase and then later on Sally was in a conversation with some moms I happened to be a part of it too and Sally said well you know we really work hard to say to our kids we don't do everything that everybody else does it's just not what we do so that was where the phrase came from so kids hear everything that you say so but be brave to say that's not just what we do. Mm. Pick out what works for your family. Mm-hmm. Um, John Roseman is a is a family therapist, I think. He um, is a little bit of a, um, oh, he's, he's kind of rough sometimes in the things that he says, pretty black and white. But he promised a group of people that he could give them the answer. He could give them the way to stop all, all quarrels at home, all whining, all oh, I'm so bored, oh, any, any problem that you could have at home, he had a very simple answer for what you could do. And so as you can imagine, people gathered to hear what that was, and here's what he said, quit everything, pull out of everything. Now that's pretty black and white. Mm-hmm. But by that, he was just saying, we are so committed. And actually, some of the things that you're challenged with at home with your children are are having to do with overcommitment. And then he went on to say in that same setting, it's probably not going to be that anybody, anyone out there in the crowd is raising the next Tiger Woods. Sorry. Or Serena Williams. Sorry. Help your kids find out what they are good at as soon as you can simplify life. I don't know that I would say quit everything, although that does sound kind of nice. Oh, I like it, doesn't it? it? Mm-hmm. But um, that—that's the same, no matter what generation you're in. Although in an agrarian society. Some years back, I think it was more natural to work together with your kids mm-hmm. and do things that you just did together so you weren't trying to come up with activities mm-hmm. to keep them stimulated and growing. They were growing because they were feeding the chickens. Well, well, I don't know. Maybe some of you have chickens, <laughs> but we don't. So
0: Yeah, that's good. We've got a few minutes left. Let's hit this last topic of relationship with children how does being a mother or father change over your child's lifespan? And, you know, one of the things, I, I obviously haven't raised children enough to talk through that, but my own parents, one of the things I'll never forget my dad did is after Emily and I got married, we were sitting around a meal, and my dad said to both Emily and I, you know, I've, I've been your parent, and, and I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in the midst of that, and there has been some struggles, and I've kind of helped dictate life, but I just want you to know that You're now moving out of me being a parent, and I'm moving into being your friend. Mm. And I'm here if you guys struggle, and you need wisdom, and you need help, and I'm here to enjoy life with you all, Mm. but I'm really moving more into a parent role. And I really get what my dad was saying in that Mm. moment, that even now as I'm raising my boys, I put a lot of external guidance and facilitation around them. We have limits to things. We have rules. We have disciplines. We have all these structured things that I'm trying to do to protect them. But as my children grow, I have to pull back on those and I literally have to let them allow the Holy Spirit to speak life and truth and guidance to them. And there's nothing more powerful Mm -hmm. than watching your child walk into a situation and starting to sin or starting to hurt themselves Mm -hmm. or somebody Mm -hmm. else. And you're just watching and waiting for that Holy Spirit to prompt them enough to go, whoa, stop, Mm -hmm. you're going to get hurt here but that's our role. Yeah. So parenting across the lifespan is balancing out when we're deeply involved in setting all that and then how we slowly begin to step back from it. And, and I'm discovering, I mean, for me and Emily, I think it's not really easy to know when that is on, on when we let them walk through that and fail at times. Um, but parenting across that lifespan is, is huge.
1: It, it really is. And it does really change. And really what your goal is from the very beginning is to work yourself out of a, out of a certain aspect of your job which is to be the main person that speaks into their life and be the one that that protects them physically protects them you Mm -hmm. know you tuck them into bed and you lock the doors you do that at a certain stage then you let them drive and then you let them go off to school and it is stage by stage you are working yourself out of a job and your goal is to train them to become independent Mm -hmm. so that's tricky It's tricky, and and our peers laugh together, and we hand around an invisible roll of duct tape, because there comes a time when we put duct tape on our mouth, because it's no longer our job to give advice. Now, to be a friend, sure, you don't necessarily need the duct tape, Mm -hmm. but it is really tempting to keep giving advice and keep giving advice. when it's not really needed.
0: Mm -hmm. We have a few grandparents in the room. What, What advice would you give to them? What thoughts do you have for them?
1: Well, I would say, be, figure out, just like we've been saying all along, figure out who you are as that grandmother. Figure out... Figure out what you do well. I am not the the one who teaches my grandchildren to cook. Tom's doing that. I mean, when, when the grandkids come home, they can't wait for pops to give them their lesson in frying eggs and, and doing bacon. And when I try and give them advice on that, they say, well pops doesn't do it that way so just be comfortable with with who you are one of our one of our grand three of our grandkids were over recently and they were sitting at the counter and i fed them some cookies because that's what i do (laughs) i do the cookies and um we also had some apples we do some healthy apples too and um i thought this is a great time to sing the johnny Appleseed song And so, with great drama, with arms waving and singing, I'm sure at the top of my lungs, I sang the Johnny Appleseed song. And when the song was over, our middle grandson looked at me and he said, Awkward. (laughs) Well, I said to them, Too bad this grandmother sings. Get used to it. So be be who you're supposed to be, but also remember as a grandmother, those children are not your children. Mm-hmm. You continue to parent their parents. You have a different relationship with the grandparents, and I learned that early on with our first grandchild when one day we were sitting around, um, and that little one was in the in the stroller, and he started to cry. My son-in-law got up and walked toward the baby. I got up and walked toward the baby, and we both had our hands on the baby at the same time, and it was like a voice from heaven said to me, let go of the baby, and I did, and I, le- I really, that was, that was a moment of truth for me, and I realized that that baby was not my baby. And um, it's, a, it's a wonderful job. It's a, it's a wonderful job to be a grandparent, but it isn't one-size-fits-all. Figure out who you are. Are you the singing grandmother? Are you the geeky grandmother? Are you the grandmother that plays tennis? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Be that grandmother.
0: You know, my dad has his favorite joke. He tells it to everybody under the sun. He says, you know why grandparents and grandkids get along <laughs> so well? They have a common enemy. <laughs> and so he says that all the time. <laughs> he 's so funny <laughs> um, what role has grace played in parenting and uh, you know I think this is the one out of everything we talk about that I could grab hold of the most and say it 's only by grace that I sit here it 's only by grace that my boys are where they 're at, or my marriage is where it 's at, or my life is where it 's at and and what i 've really come to learn is that parenting being a father god 's going to break me. he is going to refine my spirit and and I had a, a very deeply spiritual moment that happened in a very funny moment. I am a germaphobe when it comes to public <laughs> restrooms. I hate them. I don't like them. I don't want to go near them. I know they're a part of our lives. And uh, when our children were young, I had the experience of a, at, a, at a pizza restaurant in uh, Tawnytown to take my boys into the bathroom and get them to go to the restroom and wash their hands before we were to have dinner. And we were in a bathroom that has like the toilet and a urinal on the wall. There's no dividers anywhere and a sink right there. And I've got, Tenny's gone to the restroom and I've, I've got him up there and I'm helping him wash his hands. And all of a sudden behind me, I hear this little voice going, it's blue, it's blue. And I turn around and Solly has reached into the urinal and he's pulled out that blue smell pad and he's holding it up and there is blue stuff running down his arms. And it is truly like the scariest moment of my life. <laughs> And I remember standing there literally like kicking on the back door, Emily, Emily, like screaming for help. Before I know it, I've got, Tenny's off there. I've got Sully like, I'm like bathing him in the sink, like washing like over him with water. And we get through that moment. I've I've somehow since believed that it's safe to touch my children. Um, And I remember not to super naturally speak to this, but the Lord really spoke over me that like, I'm going to refine everything about you in raising these children, and it happened as I drove past that pizza place going to teach over at JBU one night, and and that moment is is, is so true for me. Like everything about what we do requires the grace of Jesus Christ, and it is by grace you you are going to mess up as a mother and a father. You're gonna you're gonna make a million mistakes in your marriage and in your work and everything, and it, and it is truly by grace that we get to do this. And so, as we close today, like that's our prayer over you, is that you will embrace the grace of God as you do this. And no matter how much you love your children, you're guaranteed nothing. You're guaranteed nothing. And that's a hard thing to swallow. And so as we dive into worship this morning, I want to encourage you, if you need somebody to love on you and and just walk this journey with you, our prayer team will be on the side. Sue will be on the side. I'll be on the side. Come let us pray over you. We know this is not easy and that it's an ongoing journey. Grab somebody in your community group that you're walking life with. In other words, let's really embrace this tangible community that we live on, live in, on and in. And even if you're not currently raising a child, you play a role in this. I mean, some of you are loving on my kids every week. That means something. It's huge. You're playing a father and a mother role. Remember that. So, Sue... Thank you so much for being with us this morning and just who you are. Communion's available on the sides as we close out today. So just grab somebody, take it in community, get prayer and love on one another.